The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Tech Cat Show. Just returning from some crazy weeks on the road, of course, at the Consumer Electronics Show, and then at NAPTI as well, which is another fabulous conference happening in Miami, the National Association of uh, Television Production Executives. So lots of great events happening in the month of January. And today, as I'm settling back into the fabulous world of Los Angeles, I have the pleasure of interviewing Ashley Matsui, who is co-founder of the Institute, which is a fabulous marketing consultancy which Ashley is going to tell you all about. Um, and Ashley is a colleague of mine who I've been doing some work with. What I wanted to really talk about today with her was not only what her fabulous company is doing, but also how she approaches moving through a crazy business where you're traveling all the time, where you're dealing with a lot of different clients, where every day is a different story, but also managing her personal life as well as being a parent and um, all the things that come with that, and then how the two kind of fuse together in business quite often. So, Ashley, say hello to the Tech Cat audience. Well, hello, Tech Cat audience, and thank you, Lori. That is, I should take you to follow me around and just give me that intro everywhere I go, so I very much appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> well, we, whenever I interview anybody, I always like to blow them up a little bit um, because it's how I really feel about them. But um, tell us about, first, to set the stage for who you are in your professional life, tell us about the Institute and a bit of the background um, of where you came from and what you've been up to. Sure, absolutely. I appreciate it, and um, thanks for having me on this. Uh, so the Institute is um, my business partner, Damian Navarro, and I, uh, our baby. Um, it is basically the manifestation of about 20 years in corporate America and us looking at each other about four years ago and saying, we can take this and scale it and we can do it right to the point where everybody wins. Um, so, you know, we are, to what you were saying earlier, we are a marketing consulting firm. Um, that is our bread and butter. But really, as we've evolved and the industry's evolved, we're finding that content is becoming more and more where the heartbeat of what not only Damien and my passion is, but really where the industry's going with regards to advertising and branded entertainment. So um, we also have um, decided that we are playing in the marketing space, but um, also in the management company space, where we're working with our ecosystem of great partners like yourself, and um, really trying to match people up with the best suited. Uh, if it's a vendor, we're looking for partners. If it's somebody who's looking for work, we're looking for vendors. And we're really trying to be matchmakers in the industry for problem solving, essentially, for big brands. And do you think that that now um, is a more common approach to working with partners and vendors just because um, big companies can't really 
manage these big office buildings and these big environments anymore. And it just makes so much sense now to operate your business with a little bit more flex. Agreed. Yeah. I really think that that is the trend with the industry. However, um, Damien and I do probably 90% of the time still find ourselves in that traditional advertising space where people still are, are coming to grips with the fact that you can make money off of activity and content and that there is this idea of a win-win situation when it comes to advertising, which I think is a very new concept for the industry as a whole. So um, I would like to think that that is where the industry is going. That said, we have a lot of sort of partnering and training and educational conversations with our clients still to just help them break the mold and understand that there is a different way to think about the way they do business or the way they're approaching business or the way they're approaching a problem that they have um, and really trying to take it in a different matter and and start from the end, essentially, and say, okay, if this is your problem, let's work backwards into it. Let's tell the story. Let's figure out the long-term solutions. Let's scale it. And asking those questions up front, I think, is still pretty foreign to a lot of these big industries. And when it comes to now, just give us a little background to where you came from and how you arrived at this. Were you someone that worked at a lot of big companies, or how did you get yes. to, to where you are? Well, I'm very lucky. I always say, you know, the, the dot-com was my 60s, even though I wasn't around in the 60s, darn close to it. But um, I was <laughs> very, very lucky in that when I left college, they were giving away jobs in 1998. And um, they, essentially, I wanted to be moved back to Los Angeles because I was going to be a screenwriter, and I ended up getting a job as a receptionist for a dot-com. And within six months, they pulled me off the phones and made me a project manager, and I tried traveled to Hong Kong with a team of, um, at the time, we were building shopping carts. We were doing a lot of cutting-edge stuff that seems very commonplace now, but at the time it was just innovative, and we had um, so much creativity, and I had this great team of folks that literally trained me on the job, and I was very, very lucky that um, I seemed to have a, a skill for it and a sense of it, and that's how I started account management. I worked in the services industry, and, and we would build websites. Um, about seven years after that, I went on to uh, the more of the brand side. I worked for Fremantle North America, famous for American Idol. Um, and we actually did a spin-off, which was called American Idol Underground. It was sort of taking that practice and, and turning it on its ear um, and providing it more to the masses. Well, after that, I went on to the more traditional advertising. I went to Mendelssohn Zion and at the time worked for their digital arm. So I'll, I will have a point to this where I think the industry at that time was trying to figure out where digital fit and they were essentially acquiring these digital agencies, agencies like Tequila and I worked for a company called Space Dog that essentially got acquired by these bigger advertising agencies. Um, the idea of this 360 agency was very popular about seven, ten years ago and that is where I started working in my career and when Damien and I joined joined forces, it's almost been about 10 years, we were working, he owned a 360 agency. Their bread and butter was higher education and healthcare. I left my um, Mendelssohn Zion job and went and worked for them to head up their account management department. And we realized pretty fast that in order to be agile and in order to make money, this 360 agency of having everybody under one roof was no longer 
really viable. So, um, yeah, long story short, I guess it's a long story long, but uh, our <laughs> essentially um, bit the dust in 2013, shortly after I had my son. It was very, very tumultuous. Damien and I looked at each other and said, let's take this and um, scale it down to smaller people, just you and I. We're going to take our amazing network of people that we've met in the 20 years of our existence, and we are going to partner with incredibly smart people that we are able to essentially, like I said, match make to our clients' uh, issues and problems. So um, it's really the only way that we've been able to accommodate our, our clients' needs, needs and make any money at the time is being very agile, bringing the right people in at the right time, and being very transparent with our clients about who we are and that we aren't a 360 agency. We don't have all these folks on payroll. But in that sense, we can move very, very quickly, and we can keep costs low, and we can move through processes that used to take three, six months in three, six weeks. So I think that that is where the industry is sort of headed um, and I think I'm lucky enough to hopefully have seen that storm coming and, and really gotten into a position where I think we're ahead of the curve at this point. I, I think you're absolutely right because I've heard from so many agencies that um, um, they can't afford all the butts and seats and, and clients are getting smarter and smarter about not wanting to pay for everybody else's work. You know, because um, it used to be the game was to, you know, get butts and seats and have the different client businesses pay for them while mm-hmm. they did new business work or other things. Mm-hmm. And so allocation wasn't as urgent, but now it seems that um, it's smarter to go in the other direction and to actually only hire for what you need, you know, which you can't That's- do at a big company. Right, and I and the nice part is I think big companies are starting to to really see the bottom line and that that is the way to go. So we are a little bit ahead of the curve and I, I've been lucky enough to always be a little bit of ahead of the curve. You know, we were part of the days when we used to beg for clients to put a URL on a commercial and now that's a no-brainer, right? Um, right, so right. I feel like the industry will catch up to this, but right now, yeah, going back to your original point, it's hard. We, we spend a lot of our time um, consulting and training and, and telling our clients there's an a different way um, from point A to point B than what you were taught 50 years ago in business school. And now, um, as someone who's a working mom, um, you know, was it easier to be at a large corporation where you just plugged in, or is this sort of more freedom and flex of, of building your own sort of entity easier? Oh, Lori, don't you sit back and reflect <laughs> on that question all day. I, I really is one of those things where, you know, when it's good, it's good. And when it's bad, it's hard. And, you know, if anything is worth anything, it's going to be hard. And I know that at my core. And I know that starting in the mailroom is where my roots are. And I believe in hard work and climbing ladders and showing your stuff and proving your worth. Um, so it's hard work. I knew it was going to be hard work. The balance of it, though, is amazing. The fact that I am able to attend doctor's appointments or, you know, that I don't have to necessarily be in a chair for eight hours just because my boss is there or I am expected to be that, that's life-changing. So I do really appreciate, again, the mindset that do your work, do it well, get it done, 
and have a life because that's going to contribute to your success. And I think, again, these are things where, um, you know, it takes a little bit of time to convince the rest of the world that, you know, this, this sort of work-life balance is attainable. And don't get me wrong, I'm all about leaning in, but I also understand that, um, you know, at some point you're going to have to say, I have a child or I have a life and I have a family and I have to focus on this and um, I'm going to be a better uh, boss or a partner or, or, you know, account manager because I have this balance in my life. Really simple thing where I was working for some folks on a project and everyone on the project had different email addresses, right? And so there was a client from uh, Asia and they wrote and said, I don't understand why you all have different emails. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it, and it was the first time that I saw that being a question from somebody, mm-hmm. you know, that, that it wasn't normal that everyone, you know, like it used to be where you would hire someone and you would immediately create an email account for them. And I know it sounds really simple, right. but it's a cultural phenomena right now, right? That right. it's okay right. that we all come from different companies. Yeah, I think it's a trend. I think I'm hoping that people see the value in it. Um, I mean, I think people do once they go through it, but a lot of these, you know, agencies of record is still very, very commonplace. And so, yeah, those people, those brands are paying for folks to do biz dev or administrative tasks. And, um, you know, I predict in the next five years, those sorts of juggernaut companies will be less and less, or they'll figure out a way to sort of morph so that they can accommodate this changing industry where clients aren't willing to fork out the $7.5 million, you know, a year to be committed to doing these certain things. So um, I'm, I, I'm confident that everybody, again, it's, it's more in this world where it has to be a win-win situation. Um, it's, it, the, the whole culture shift, I think, is going to that, where it's not the haves and the have-nots, it's the everyone's. And maybe it's just socialist of me to think that that's a possibility, but I really do believe <laughs> that there is a way to make this a, you know, and, and the world of advertising, which is sort of known as this, you know, um, you know, immoral, maybe like a little bit uh, self-centered industry, I think it's going to come around because what it is that a lot of folks are trying to do is really for the greater good. I'd like to think that's what we're trying to do. Well, when we come back from break, uh, we're going to talk to Ashley a little bit more about um, some of the day-to-day projects that you're working on and what are some of the trends that you're seeing as we navigate this world where, you know, fluidity is more important than, uh, you know, having a large corporation behind you. So we'll be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show with the fabulous Ashley Matsui in a moment. <laughs> Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. And welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. This is Lori Schwartz, your Tech Cat, and we're talking to the fabulous Ashley Matsui, who is the co-founder of the Institute, which is a really smart, up-and-coming boutique agency, if I can call it that, um, working with a lot of different partners and companies to basically um, perform uh, work for clients, a really different model now than a big agency who has a lot of butts and seats, but a much more nimble provider of services. So, Ashley, what are some of the projects that are coming your way now? Um, You know, we're seeing a lot of companies realize that small campaigns can yield um, a pretty big turnout. They're, they're starting to realize that social media is a viable means to their marketing structure. Um, so I'd say the, the latest and newest, the one that has come through the most, I'd say in the past nine months, are these interesting small campaigns, and I say small in air quotes because some of them are actually pretty large, but they lead up to events. And there is this whole trend of contributing money to um, the marketing of these events because these events are actually amplifications of the brand. So um, when you have it, – it's, it's just becoming interesting how a company – and I won't say too many names – but if they have an event coming up for Fashion Week in New York um, and they know that these things are happening, they have actually leaned on us to come up with small campaigns – through Facebook, um, Instagram, and even Snapchat, which is the most recent, uh, to promote their presence at these events. But the key is to not beat the audience over their head uh, with the message. It's definitely to be um, woven into the conversation that they may already be having about Fashion Week. So brand integration, brand placement, and these subtle um, targeted uh, social media advertising campaigns are, to me, just the most fun, and they really are beneficial to the client in these quick win scenarios where they're able to attract an audience in a very short amount of time and then market to that audience very specifically. So it's been really, really interesting. Um, so li- so another- live, live events, like live events yeah. where there's some sort of educational piece to it. Right. I would say the live events um, are the most common, um, and then there are... Uh, drumbeat events, I guess, is what you could call them. So certain industries have uh, certain things that happen every quarter, every semester, if we're talking about schools, and um, they happen every single year. For whatever reason, there's been drop-off on um, activity, and they're not sure exactly how to get that audience back. And so these types of social media campaigns that they can actually measure, leverage, do in a very short period of time on usually pretty reasonable budgets have become very valuable to them to understand and where their audience is picking up their content. Now, what, what are some, some of the other 
things that clients are coming to ask you about because one of the big things that we always talk about on this show um, is, is tech trends and what are some of the te- new technologies that are impacting businesses. Are any clients coming to you with, like, technology overwhelm? <laughs> yeah, I would say that's, that's big. Well, I mean, and you know as well as I do, I think the buzzwords right now um, are around VR. Um, and even though experiential is something you and I have probably been talking about for years, maybe even a decade, I think right now this idea of um, real-time interactions or real-time responses to a client or audience is, is really trendy. And so people are coming to us with these, you know, these words like VR, and they're saying, oh, we need to do a VR campaign. And it's our job to an extent to break that down and really say, okay, well, I understand that you think you need a VR campaign, but what exactly is the problem that you're trying to solve here? And in some cases, sure, it's an experiential, they need um, a very specific, they, and they have a giant budget to throw to it. But in a lot of cases, I would say the technology overwhelm that we're feeling from folks is really that they don't know how to break into a certain technology that they've heard something about and they've heard work, but they have no idea where to start. And so um, another industry that we're working with right now is the industry of podcasts. Shocker. And this is perfect for this, but um, that is, (laughs) as you know, a very up and coming industry, no one has quite figured out how to break the monetization of, right? Um, It's almost like, uh, you know, because I'm a dinosaur and I remember when Google Analytics and media was a brand new thing, that these, these pieces are obviously fundamental to business now, but at the time, nobody really knew how to use or monetize or track them. So one of the things we're doing with right now is um, with an audio podcast partner. We also have a partner in um, LA Theater Works, and we've partnered them up, and we are creating audio content. And um, we're essentially partnering a client that needs content with uh, somebody that has content, and they're meeting in the middle in this very new platform of audio content and um, figuring out how Apple monetizes it and how to actually track and show success. It's all very, very new and um, very, I think, the podcast world, this audio content world is untapped. And I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the next couple of years when it comes to advertising. I mean, it's amazing to me, too, that, <laughs> excuse me, that, that um, when a, a new technology or something like that comes along, that there are some clients who jump on it right away, and then there are some clients that it just takes years for them to wrap their head around what's happening. And I guess it all depends on what their business is and what their audiences are, but you can present them with data, statistics, facts about everything, and they still won't move until they're ready to move. Right. And it's almost what they, again, you know, they, they pick up these buzzwords, they go to conferences and they come back with these words like forum and, and VR and, and um, branded integration, branded content. They, they come back with these words that they've heard and they know that they work. But I agree with you. Some of these bigger companies with this, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality, what happens is over a long period of time, be it five years, 10 years, whatever, they're going to see some attrition there. And I think that it's unfortunate because they'll come to it a little bit late and they have to fork out really big budgets to sort of catch up, where I agree with you, some of these brands just get it. And some of them, like, I mean, I was watching Empire the other day and there was a blatant Amazon box in the background. Um, It's just, 
those things for me, I see them and I'm like, ah, I wonder how much Amazon paid to be part of the show. But to the normal audience, they don't even notice that. They just think, oh, that Amazon package, of course, everybody gets Amazon. But it's such amazing brand integration at this point, such a different way to think about it. And this going back to audio content, this idea of this old school radio is coming back around when it comes to advertising and also for entertainment. So many people are listening to podcasts. It's just, it's fascinating to watch the industry sort of come back around on some of the smarter techniques like the, um, you know, being agile. I just, I, you know, going back to picking the right uh, partner for the right client is to me a no-brainer, but gosh, we had to kind of detour off of that for a while. So we have VR, we have podcasts. Is there any other platform or um, type of content that client, clients are clamoring for right now? Well, you know, on the other side, as, a, as an answer, but in a different way, one thing that they're saying is we don't want to talk about the standards, right? Print, radio, and television, we don't want to talk about those anymore, we only want to talk about digital. We only want to talk about earned media, uh, shared media, right? The, the idea that they're going to pay for media just as a, you know, of course they're going to pay for media, I think is going to the wayside. There's, now it's a question. Are we going to pay for this media? Because there's so many different ways to gain brand recognition and to show success without actually paying for television commercials. Um, so I think that that's the trend I'm seeing is that our clients are like, no TV, no print, no radio. Let's talk about social. Let's talk about emerging industries. Let's talk about Google Analytics. Let's talk about all of these pieces that they've said, like video content, and um, they want to do Vines. They want to do Instagram. Snapchat is by far the most amazing one that everybody seems to be attaching onto is Let's do a Snapchat campaign, which I think is really interesting. And that, that's really, you know, age-specific, too. But that's interesting to me. So, in general, though, when they do a Snapchat campaign or, a, you know, create a piece of video content or do some sort of social engagement, they're not looking at it as, I am buying media. They're looking at it as, I'm creating content that will hopefully create audience and engagement. But they're not thinking... And- I'm buying media. Is that no, correct? and the idea that, that is absolutely correct, and the idea that activity, right, activity around your brand or activity around a conversation is as valuable, if not more valuable, right, to the brand as clicks on a website or um, impressions on, a, on an ad. So it's interesting that they actually are seeing the value in activity and chatter and what a hashtag is and how a hashtag is going to help you three, four years from now when somebody discovers your content later, but because they haven't seen it yet, they think it's new. And that's another... Oh, interesting. Going back to this, this idea of live, and again, I'm using air quotes, right? This idea of live has kind of gone away. <laughs> Facebook live yeah. is not live, right? I get notifications when I go onto Facebook that something happened and they're calling it live, but it's not. And so, and I actually don't care, right? I, my brain has been reprogrammed so that... To me, live right now is something still very, very cool. It means it's very timely. But do I think that I'm watching this person at the same time I'm sitting watching them? No, I don't anymore. And so, you know, it's this idea also that people are just changing the way they think 
impact is made and their understanding that, like I said, activity, amplification, people talking about you is incredibly valuable. I I love that clients are smartening up in that way. My next question would be just as a former agency person, are then the budgets coming from different places for all this stuff? So it's not the media arm that, that is uh, the media budget, but it's a different budget. Are they creating content budgets now? Yes. And, and that is another thing we're seeing is that sometimes the budgets don't come from the typical places. So they're not coming from the network. If we're talking about television, they're not coming from the publisher, right? Sometimes they're coming from skin in the game, right? They've got a partner that is contributing to the content, and that partner is actually going to underwrite a piece of this, enter the blank word, campaign, event, you know, what it, whatever it is, the, the, whatever we're trying to generate activity around. A lot of money, I think, is coming in from different areas because they all see the value in being a part of something bigger, right? So, um, you know, I've, I've, I need to Google this, whether or not it's true, but I've heard Starbucks actually subsidizes some of the Sprint ads, that in every uh, Sprint ad, you'll see someone carrying a Starbucks cup. You don't really know that it's Starbucks. Those are the kinds of ideas, too, that I think is, are going to happen more and more, which is like, okay, well, as long as I have something in here that sort of contributes to someone else's brand message, why not go after that brand? And to that point also, to develop shows and develop content that is ideal for brands, right? So, you know, let's leave it open that we don't know what kind of car this person's going to drive in this video. And let's go out to Lexus and let's go out to Toyota and let's go out to Honda and let's go out to these folks and see if they want to be that car. Oh, I, lo- I love all this because it's such a new way of thinking about traditional advertising. So when we come back, we're going to take a break now, but um, I want to talk to Ashley a little bit too about where are you getting all of your information and new ideas from and a little bit about how do you juggle being a working mom but still keeping up with all of this because working in this space requires you to know the latest of everything. So, And I, and I know you're tired because I am. <laughs> So we'll be back in a moment with the fabulous Ashley Matsui from the Institute in a moment on the Tech Cat Show. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Voice America. 
This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we are back on the Tech Cat Show talking to the fabulous Ashley Matsui from the Institute, um, really getting into what are some of the latest trends out there that clients are asking for, that businesses want um, in terms of marketing, and that's not about buying media anymore. And also, how does, uh, how does a boutique agency navigate? It seems to be the new hot thing not to be a, a large agency, not to be a large business, and to help clients by being more nimble. And not making them pay for all your your bodies. And with Ashley, you're a working mom, um, which you know many of us are. And one of the challenges in being in this space, where you're working on the latest tech and you're bringing the latest campaigns and ideas to clients, is keeping up with all of this stuff. So how do you do it and also juggle a family? Like, are you on a plane all the time? Are you reading all the time? <laughs> like, what's your secret to to being up up to date? Oh, God. Is there a secret? Do you have the answer to that secret, Lori? Can we share secrets? <laughs> I would love that. I think, actually, that's part of it is really, like, asking and collaborating. And, um, you know, I'm sure it's hard for you to ask for help. But after having a kid, you realize the value in asking for help. Um, I, I think there's a couple ways you have to juggle. I commute a lot. So I'm not on planes a lot, but I am in the car a lot. And um, I find that I have to uh, be very diligent about planning. Um, I chunk out my time so that I know when I am a mom and I know when I have to be a wife. And I'm, I'd say I'm always a business partner. Um, so it's, uh, it's a juggle. And gosh, I mean, my son is only four and I'm still figuring this out every time I feel like I've got a grip on something. Thing, something changes. Um, but as far as trends go, you know, it, I'm lucky that I work in the industry I do. Uh, I'm lucky that I live in the city I live in. Um, I am lucky that I have very, very smart friends who are all related in some way, if not to this industry, to very cutting-edge industries. I mean, and it could be anything from being a, a teacher at Los Angeles Unified School District to being a trial lawyer in Philadelphia. I find that I find inspiration in a lot of my um, just my community that I interact with. Um, I also find that being a mom is a good thing. I bring a perspective to the groups now that I don't think every, that I even knew that I was missing, but I do feel like it, it is, I'm smarter for being a mother. I am um, better at managing my time. I'm better at managing expectations all because I've had to deal with this screaming, pooping thing that came into my life four years ago. So um, it is, uh, <laughs> it's been a beautiful juggle, but yeah, I mean, if I had all the secrets, I would, I would, uh, I would let you in on them. I just, I don't. Um, I do know that there is strength in numbers, though, that's for sure. And I'm very, very lucky to have an incredible, smart uh, ecosystem around me. So you are only as good as your team. That's for sure. Or, or the village that uh, Hillary Clinton talked about. Well, um, what, what do you read to keep up with everything? Like, are there certain um, newsletters, Twitter feeds? Um, you know, what, what's part of your, the way that you, you keep up to date every day? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, you know, I listen, I, I have one newsletter feed. I've kind of eliminated a lot of the chatter. Um, I read Jason Hirshhorn's media feed. He's got a Twitter handle and he has a great, his amazing newsletters that are essentially like the skim for us. 
in our industry, and they are amazing, and he happens to be like-minded from a political standpoint, and I just really love what he says. There are so many gems inside of his daily newsletters that I am able to take chunks that I find interesting and then go deep dive into them um, elsewhere. I also listen to, not as a self-plugging, but I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm in the car all the time. Um, I listen to a lot of uh, NPR podcasts that are very trendy, Pop Culture Happy Hour, The Business, um, I, you know, Planet Money. These are all things that are trend-worthy. Um, I work from home, so I'm lucky enough to be able to sort of consume media in a lot of different forms. I can have the TV on. I can be looking at my phone and Googling things. I can be on a conference call, and I can be in front of my laptop. So, again, I'm very lucky that I can multitask, and I find that I'm able to bring in a lot of information and distill it to the stuff that I can connect with my industry. I know that sounds kind of convoluted, but it really is just the only way I survive is um, very Gen X. Give me all the information. I'll go to my corner. I'll figure it out, and then I'll come back to you with a solution. Well, are there any um, shows that you feel like you have to go to? I mean, um, it's one of the questions I always ask everybody because I think now um, there's so many events, and, of course, we're producing a lot of events, too, but, you know, what what do you think you have to go to every year? Uh, I definitely, I mean, CES was more than worth our time. So I, I'm that one has been, we've been there three years in a row now, just since we've been the Institute, and that one is always going to be on our list. Um, there are local events that we are members of Think LA. Um, there's a lot of industry that happens in Los Angeles. Again, we're very lucky to be part of this community. So um, the Think LA events, I think, are, are incredibly important. They're monthly or quarterly, and they some of them are bigger rather than others, but they're all great. And then as far as the large-scale shows... Um, we, you know, it depends on our clients. Um, we, because we have been so heavy in higher education, healthcare, Medica, um, Case is a big one for us. But, you know, South by Southwest and Ad Tech, CES, and I know I'm going to be blanking on a couple more that are just vital, but um, those are the ones that we cannot miss. <laughs> Excuse me. And um, and then just in terms of also, like, are you someone that is scouring Amazon for the latest hot marketing book um, or novel? Because I find it now that I can't keep up with all the latest, um, you know, books coming out by yeah. marketers, CEOs, CMOs, and some of them are so trendy and so popular, but I can't, mm-hmm. I can't manage it all. Is that is that an important part of this, is reading the latest? I am a bad reader. I will go on record as saying that. I love my Wired magazine, Business 2.0. I find a lot of my reading is done online. I'm a big believer in Google You, right? So if I have a question, I usually go to Google and there's some amazing article or, um, you know, uh, like a, a trends piece that has already been produced, video, what have you. So when it comes to the actual physical publications, I do lean on my network a lot. If there is something that, for instance, if you told me I had to read, I would definitely read it. Um, but because there's so much content out there, I use, I lean on these podcasts. I lean on 
trusted sources um, to tell me what I should be reading. And I will say, I'm very lucky they're filtering the content for me. Otherwise, it's just too much. So um, I look to news sources and, um, you know, other advertising industry sources to essentially say, here's where, here's what's happening. And when you read enough, you do see the common threads between those pieces. And, um, I mean, I know much like you, just right now with the political climate and the way that social media is being used to sort of motivate and inspire and to make change, to me, is the most fascinating thing. And, and that's where I'm reading most is really what's going on, what's happening, what's trending, who's writing what. I'm reading a lot of New York Times articles, and it's been really, really cool. But ask me that two weeks from now, and um, I'll probably still be reading New York Times, but it'll probably be on a different topic. <laughs> well, what what do you think? Okay, so this is the other thing that I've had. A, I have this ongoing debate with colleagues about. Do you think it's important to keep? Surrounded by you, hire young people so that, you know, millennials or the next generation coming so that you have a sense of, like, what the latest trends are more from a behavioral perspective. Like, do we all have to just keep younger people around us to be relevant? <laughs> You're like, do I have to do this? Yes. <laughs> um, I do. And, yeah, now, you know, millennials are, like, what, 32 years old now? Or yeah, so crazy. not so young. Yeah, not right. so young. So, um, so they're not even – I've actually – started teaching a class at, and uh, in high school, just volunteering my time, and I am realizing that this post-millennial generation, whatever they're calling them, post-9-11 kids, are um, a tough nut to crack, and I do think that there is value and beauty, I, I guess that's a dumb word, but it, it is sort of beautiful to watch their minds work. I, I think that it is valuable to have them around from an inspirational standpoint. That said, each one of them is an individual and incredibly different, much like our clients and our industries. So the idea that you can just learn so much just by having millennials around is sort of silly, but I do believe that asking them really smart questions, what are you doing? What are you consuming? Why are you on your phone? Are you gaming? What is it that are you reading? And and a lot can be discovered from their personalities. And honestly, the idea of this, like, nothing is live anymore, um, Snapchat, these kinds of things, they're all, that's all new generation stuff, right? So um, I do think it's valuable to have those kinds of conversations with these folks because those are, are topics that I would have, I, you know, to me, live is live is live. That word means something. But to them, it just really doesn't. And I think it's, it's valuable to know that there's wiggle room there. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why I like to teach so much, um, and I just do this once a year, once a quarter, um, is to just have 21-year-olds staring at me and hear, like, what they do every day. Um, You know, not that all your clients are trying to reach that audience, but it's just interesting how almost like couture kind of drips down to everyday clothing. I find Mm -hmm. that whatever 21-year-olds are doing, somehow it's impacting every generation, even if not directly. Like, we're not all using Snapchat, but this idea of being able to send short live video clips around has now become commonplace in other platforms. And so there's this drip that comes from whatever the younger folks are doing. Right, and it's, they all still have the same questions, right? I still have a problem to solve. I still have a need to consume content. It really is just the matter in which they do it or the time lapses in which they do it that are changing. But the core needs 
are still there, right? They still need to understand what the right thing to do is or what their friends are buying or there's still this sort of common goal to keep up with the Joneses or really just be part of something trendy or bigger. It's the matter in which that's delivered. (laughs) What was that? I'm sorry. I said, who are those high-maintenance Joneses, and why are they constantly pressuring us? <laughs> right. Let's see the Joneses, well, we're, Lori. Let's we're make it take, easy on We're going to take else. one more break on the show, but, um, and when we come back, I want to talk to you last about um, what are some of the things that are keeping you up at night, you know, um, how everything's going. It could be, of course, the new administration, which on an um, hourly basis is sending terror through the ripples of our bubble, but... Um, <laughs> but just from a business perspective, I'd love to hear from you, from you what, you're, what you're worried about is coming um, as, as we enter this, this, uh, this new year with completely new models popping up all the time. So we'll be back in a moment mm-hmm. on the Tech Cat Show with the fabulous Ashley Matsui from the Institute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we are back with the fabulous Ashley Matsui from the Institute, and we've been covering sort of the whole new world of, of marketing agencies, um, the, the new way that um, the companies are navigating creating digital content, and what are some of the trends bubbling up in this space, and Ashley's with the fabulous Institute, which is a really cool boutique agency. So, Ashley, what's, what's keeping you up at night? Because you seem to know what all the latest trends are. You figured out the work-life balance. You, you have it all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, obviously. Yes. What 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 is what is concerning um, a small boutique company like yours um, with with any, anything that's happening moving forward, especially with the new political climate? Yeah. I, well, I think there's a lot of things, um, and there's a lot of unknowns. I think what Damien and I, my business partner and I, have really come to is that. We have to do good. Um, if there's no, if we're not doing good work or we're not doing it for a good reason, that it's there's no reason to bank on it. So with the emerging political client, with um, big brands not really sure where they're going to be putting their budgets, um, not sure what their overseas uh, 
schedules will be and not sure, you know, where the money is going to be coming from in the future. I think it's just, it's, it's interesting. It reminds me a little bit of 2008 when um, our budgets all sort of scaled down. We ended up having a lot more projects for less money, um, whereas the years before were these big, big budgets and less clients. So I sort of see that coming. Um, I think what keeps me up at night is really staying ahead of that, um, getting money in the bank and seeing if we can, you know, spread the good word and, and get these brands to sort of understand that um, it is a win-win climate. But to your point, it's a long road and it's, it's a lot of education. Um, staying ahead of these trends, you know, what are the trends? You, you nailed it. I'm not exactly sure what the solid ground is for us to stand on right this minute, except that we've got to do good. We've got to be good people. We've got to, we've got to do what's right for the, the collective or else, it's just not going to work. Is that, is that a reference to social good, which right now is a trend that um, businesses need to to have some sort of larger purpose because the new generations expect that to be embedded culturally as opposed to the word charity? So when you say yes. doing good, do you mean social good? Um, you know, I think that you're right, is that this Tom's Shoes model, right, where people are like, I'm going to give money, but I expect that something is happening on the other side. And, and that Tom's Shoes model actually is winning, right? It, it is, if I'm going to pick which shoe company I'm going to buy from, I want to pick the one that's doing good. So, yes, there absolutely is a social element to it. Damien and I are both very socially conscious people. We do do a lot of volunteering of our time. Um, we are proud of our Los Angeles heritage and our cities. So we do do a lot of grassroots and a lot of socially conscious work. But I think it also stems into the fact, hey, we're small business owners, right? Um, we, we all want to be able to also feed our families and maybe take a nice vacation every once in a while. But um, it, it really is about sort of keeping ahead of that changing curve and making sure that you are giving back to the client. You're over-delivering. I know that's the, again, we're using cheesy buzzwords, but that is what we really try to do is over-deliver and have these folks come back to us because we think that that long-standing relationship is going to benefit everyone and that in order to have a good working relationship, you do have to trust the person sitting across the table from you. Yeah, that's a really good point, um, and especially if when you're working so hard all the time, and it needs to be more than just a paycheck. I mean, we love the paycheck. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, what what I've noticed about um, just the climate right now, and this is probably true when there's an administration shift, but especially with this one, which was um, so controversial in so many ways and continues to be, um, that marketers are not spending so quickly, um, especially in the space when it comes to marketing, Marcom, marketing communications. Yes, they're doing the spend they have to do, but I find that everyone's a little nervous right now about what's happening. Have you noticed that, that we're going to yes, see absolutely. You know, the clients being more cautious? Yep, and there is this level of, um, if I'm going to have to shave something, it's going to be off my marketing budget. And so they are leaning on more of that shared media, earned media. Um, you know, they're willing to contribute some level of budget to these pieces, but you're absolutely right. It is, um, I think they are all very hesitant right now to just bank on one path and go for it because of the changing climate. They're not exactly sure how their business is going to shake out. I mean, I've seen more... Um, 
calls for internships and um, advertising around uh, building for the community, uh, you know, doing what's good for the collective. That has been insane since November 8th. Like, it's, it's the amount of advertising that I've seen lately that just says, if you don't win, we don't win. If you don't feel good, we don't feel good. I mean, that's, it's a huge shift. So it's a it's a um, moving towards almost a '60s mentality, like you were even referencing. Sort of more of this. It's about the community. I mean, when you look at culturally what's happening in our country, you know, 10% of the U.S. population marched last weekend uh, to, mm-hmm. to voice dissent, um, which is a, a huge phenomenon. I think the largest in history. So when you when you look at that's launching this year off, you know you think that Mar- Marcom Communications are going to be impacted by by that concept. That's that, oh, that yeah. you know community. And that's that I mean, you and I have had these side conversations too, Lori. It's, it's it's all about momentum. It is all about activity. It's all about staying on the top of mind for these folks, um, whether or not they they pay you for that or what have you. I think feeling good about the work that we do 24-7, there has to be a moral element to it. There has to be something that says, even if they don't come back to me with a budget or they don't, I want them to to feel good about the work that I did for them. I want them to feel like they got value out of the time they spent with me and that they're getting value out of the communication I'm moving forward with. So being really strategic about that marketing communication, I think, is, is huge. And I know I appreciate just being strategically, you know, custom customized, too. When, when people communicate to me, I really don't love the mass you know, assaults with the newsletters. I love it when they know who I am. And I think taking it down to that level and making it more communal, um, taking it back to this one-on-one perspective with these clients is going to be very important in the long term. Now, where can we expect to see or hear from the Institute over the next year? As we wrap up uh, today's conversation, are you guys, um, do you have any events coming up that you'd like to share with everybody, and where can we find you? On social media. Oh, here's, <laughs> we do have a couple of events coming up. We actually are launching our podcast on February 2nd, so everyone should listen to The Plays the Thing, which is an affiliation with Wondery and L.A. Theater Works. Um, we're very, very excited about that. And then we do have events coming up um, through our Storytellers United uh, arm of our business. So there's a lot, there is an element of events, live events, um, bringing folks together. So right now, I think it is going to be slated for February, and as soon as I know that, hard date. I will definitely let you know, Lori. I appreciate that. Well, we can go to um, the Institute to find out more stuff, and we can go to what's the name of the the event again? Storytellers? So you can go to the institute.xyz or you can go to storytellersunited.com, and either place is going to um, be promoting our upcoming events or client projects, client campaigns that, again, I would like to say um, have a lot of thought and value added to them so they wouldn't be a waste of your time. I think it's, it's very cool the work that we're doing <laughs> despite the industries, right? Nothing that you do, my darling, is a waste of time. Well, we have had a wonderful conversation with um, Ashley Matsui, who's been dropping lots of insights on trends and sort of 
the new way to, to run a, a marketing company, I think, which is being nimble and boutique and smart and some things to be thinking about as you move your, your brand and your business forward in 2017, the, uh, the year of the uh, craziness, I'm going to call it. <laughs> the demo- the year of crazy. the craziness. Um, so yes, this exactly. is Lori Schwartz, your tech cat. We're going to be back next week, and thank you so much, Ashley, for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. It's been a pleasure. We'll, we'll be seeing you all. Well, you'll be hearing from us all next week. Thank you, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.